The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about couples' relationship. And you know, that's a very important thing in our lives, to have a healing relationship, a positive relationship, a loving relationship. And we have two incredible experts with us today. So let me tell you about who they are. Uh, first, we have um, Dr. Andrew Christensen, PhD, who is a professor of psychology at the University of California in Los Angeles. And Dr. Christensen has spent more than 30 years studying intimate relationships and working with couples in therapy. He's conducted extensive research on the impact of couple therapy including the approach on which this book is based, which I'm going to tell you about in just a second, um, which is called Reconcilable Differences, second edition. And um, so he has done incredible research on uh, couple therapy, including the uh, that repo- uh, approach. And he developed this approach with Neil Jacobson, PhD, who has passed on. Also with him today on the show is uh, his co-author, Brian Doss, PhD, also a professor. He's an associate professor of psychology at the University of Miami in Miami, Florida, where he teaches and conducts research on couple therapy and romantic relationships. So we have two wonderful guests. I want to thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So this is a great book. I started reading this. I'm excited to finish it. It's called Reconcilable Differences, second edition. And the subtitle is Rebuild Your Relationship by Rediscovering the Partner You Love Dash Without Losing Yourself. And, you know, I, I love some of the things that you have. It says, identify what can and can't be changed in each of you. And we all want to change everybody, right? Accept each other's emotional needs and create greater intimacy in your relationship. So, um, why don't you tell us? Uh, why don't we start out with uh, Andy? Uh, Andy, why don't you tell us why did you guys decide to write this book? Well, we decided to write the book uh, for a very specific reason. Uh, Neil Jacobson and I had uh, developed this treatment for couples, and we got funding from the National Institute of Mental Health to conduct a clinical trial uh, comparing this treatment to uh, another treatment, the sort of gold standard treatment at the time. And so we developed this treatment, but we wanted, um, we wanted a book for couples to read while they were going through the treatment. And 
So this was written originally for couples to read as they were going through the treatment. However, as we wrote the book, we realized that um, this could also be a standalone self-help book uh, that some couples could benefit by without um, uh, going through treatment simultaneously as well as uh, using it as they were going through our treatment. So originally it was meant as, a, as a, you know, an aid for going through the treatment, uh, but then we also uh, felt it could be used as a self-help book uh, for couples. And so that, that, was, the, that was the impetus for, for writing the book. And, um, and then we revised it more recently. The original book was published about 10 years ago, but based on some work that Brian and I are doing trying to make this therapy approach more readily accessible to a, a broad spectrum of couples, um, we revised the book based on some work we had done where we tried to uh, create a website, uh, an online program for couples uh, to get exposed to this particular approach to treatment. So, Brian, okay, you know, I also think it's probably really good for therapists, and it's really good for me as a mediator, too. So, I, you know, I mean, you probably thought first the people going through the therapy, but look at how many people could really use it and therapists could use this as a guide to help their, their clients as well. So, Brian, why don't you um, tell us how did you get involved in this? Andrew start, Andy started it out, and then how did you get into this? Well, uh, I, I worked with uh, Andy in graduate school. He was my graduate school mentor, so a lot of what I know about couples I, I definitely owe to, to Andy and my experiences with Andy. Uh, more recently, we've we've partnered up, uh, as Andy was mentioning, around the website, and I've been taking the lead, um, kind of in that effort. And uh, and then as we were kind of working together on the website, we realized that a lot of the things that we were doing, because um, one of the, as part of the website, could really benefit a second edition of Reconcilable Differences. In particular, as Andy was mentioning, the the original version of Reconcilable Differences was written kind of as an adjunct to therapy, um, but the website doesn't really have that benefit. There isn't a therapist that, that a couple can reach out to if they're using the website. So um, we really thought a lot about, you know, how can we make the standalone website and now this standalone second edition of Reconcilable Differences uh, really helpful without needing to reach out to a mental health professional. And, you know, nowadays so many people are trying to do self-help things. You know, uh, my husband is a contractor, but if he doesn't know how to do something, he just turns on YouTube, right? <laughs> right. So, I mean, having these kinds of things where people can actually go in and learn something, um, it's just, you know, that's just the way of the world, so it's wonderful. But I love this book, and let's talk a little bit, Andy, about how this book differs from other kinds of self-help books for couples. Um, there, there are a number of different ways in which this book differs from other books, and there, there, as you know, there are many books out there uh, on the marketplace for couples. Uh, this book uh, is, first of all, and most importantly, is based on an evidence-based treatment for couples. Um, so it's um, the procedures and strategies in this book have been tried as part of couple therapy been shown to be effective, and so that gives it, uh, that makes it stand apart a little bit from a lot of the other books that are out there. Um, another, another important aspect of this book is it's, it has a, a dyadic focus, and what I mean by that 
it tries to help couples come to an explanation, come to an understanding, rather, of, of how they both contribute to the problems in their relationship and how they both can, uh, can improve their behavior, alter their behavior, so both can benefit. It's, it's very easy for people to understand their own point of view. It's more complicated for them to understand their own point of view and their partner's point of view, and it's even more challenging to understand how those two different points of view fit together. Right, right. We, we thought, talk about in the book a third story. Uh, there's, there's my story, then there's my wife's story, and what we try to do in the book is help the couples come to a joint story that includes the, the critical elements in both partners' uh, stories, but show how they together uh, create a joint story. And understanding that joint story gives them some options for changing their behavior, improving their behavior, uh, and ultimately improving their relationship. Yeah, I love um, what Jane Brody of the New York Times said. She said, one virtue of the book is its utter realism. It offers a slew of tools that couples can use to reconcile their differences without the help of a therapist, which is wonderful because a lot of people don't have the money or aren't willing to go. I know people come to me in mediation and I'll ask them always first thing, you know, have you guys tried therapy? Have you gone to a therapist? And some people will say, yeah, and I liked him or her, but my spouse didn't, or I'm not comfortable going to a therapist. So this is an alternative for people who don't want to go to a therapist or can't afford a therapist. So, Brian, why don't you tell us, how is a couple supposed to approach this book? Are they supposed to read it together or separately? And what do you, what do you think? Well, uh, I mean, one, one aspect of kind of building on Andy's kind of answer in terms of kind of how this book is different and, and I think is in response to your question is that we really ask, rather than just kind of, you know, just trying to understand their relationship in general, from the very beginning, we try to get couples very specific about what it is that they want to change in their relationship. We're thinking about this book not as just kind of, oh, let me read it and learn about relationships in general. No, it's, it's, it's a tool. It's a tool to help you improve your relationship. So how do we do that? Well, we um, have some questionnaires in there, that, uh, some surveys that people, as they're going through the book, fill it out. Um, and then we provide people specific feedback on that. You know, he, relative to other couples in the United States, here are some strengths. Here are some weaknesses of your relationship. Um, then they pick a specific problem that they want to work on, um, and then they go through uh, the book. Uh, and, and we'll talk about kind of the components of the book a little bit later probably. Um, but to develop kind of a deeper understanding of that problem and then ultimately, you know, try to generate some solutions to that problem. So. If, if an individual is reading that, uh, reading the book, that's the process that they're going to go through. Um, they're they're going to really get specific about their relationship and think about concrete changes that they can make. Um, now, it would be great if the partner is involved, um, and we would suspect that if if both partners are are willing to read the book together, um, then they could you know come together and talk about it at certain points. Um, and that would probably be maximally beneficial. Right. Uh, but what we suspect is that's not going to happen in the vast majority of cases. 
Uh, that, that, you know, it's often one partner, often the woman who is purchasing a, a, a self-help book to improve relationships. And so we, we had to kind of acknowledge that limitation from the forefront and design a process that, uh, you know, is really going to benefit a person even if, if he or she is the only one reading it. In the right. Well, if one person changes, then, you know, if they work on their own issues, then the dynamics changes anyway, Right. I mean, right. it has to. If if I'm not acting the way I usually act, then the response or the reaction may be someone may try and get me to act that way again, but right. um, but eventually there will have to be a dynamic change. So you know that's that's what's really beautiful about it is if if I change myself and I don't react in a way that that uh, might be accusatory or blaming or in- guilt inducing then um, the response is going to be different, too. Right. Yeah, so that's that's the beauty of doing it on your own. But, of course, as you say, it's wonderful if they read the book together. That's, that, that is optimal. So, Andy, um, let's talk about how, you know, for the people who are driving by or the people on the campus here, you know, relationships are in the air. I mean, we know everybody wants to have a love relationship. So how does a couple reconcile differences? Okay, well, we, we take the couples in, in the book, Reconcilable Differences, we take the couples first through what we call a deep understanding of their relationship. And um, the, 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 the DEEP is an acronym, um, and it focuses on several aspects of the relationship that will contribute um, to um, the focal problem that they're, they're focused on. As Brian mentioned, Couples in the beginning of the book, uh, whoever's reading the book, uh, husband, wife, male partner, partner, uh, they, they define a particular central issue in their relationship. And once they've identified that, then they, we move them to this deep understanding of that issue. And the deep stands for, the D stands for differences. Uh, so first we look at the natural differences that um, uh, may lead to their particular conflict. So let's say I'm a little more introverted and my wife is a little more extroverted and that contributes to our conflict about, um, you know, the parties we go to or the people we have over. Um, We also look at the first E stands for emotional sensitivities. So we look at not just the differences that people have, but their sensitivities that make those differences uh, much more painful or upsetting for them. So let's say one partner is, uh, is more introverted than the other. That's a natural difference. But maybe going to parties or going to certain events would be not only just not their preference, but actually very uncomfortable for them. Right. So very, um, you know, sort of pain, they feel painfully awkward in those situations. So it's more than just a difference. It's a difference. Uh, between the partners that affects, you know, one or both of their emotional sensitivities. Um, Then the second E in our deep understanding is external stressors or external circumstances. So if we imagine our couple that has these conflicts about socialization and um, their circumstances are such that, uh, you know, they're required to go because of their work to a lot of social events or... uh, uh, a hobnob with a, a variety of people, that may make this conflict between them even uh, more, uh, uh, you know, more, uh, 
present in their mind or more frequent. Right. And finally, we focus on the P in the deep understanding, which is the pattern of communication. So often couples, as they try to, try to solve this problem, uh, they get into a pattern of communication that, even though it was intended to solve the problem, actually backfires and makes the problem worse. Right. So let's say our very extroverted partner uh, tries to get the introverted partner to go out more by criticizing them and uh, blaming them for uh, keeping the couple at home all the time and being an isolate. And the introverted partner uh, reacts by blaming the other one for being superficial or not being deep or just wanting to be a social butterfly. Right. So they, and then they get into these, these futile arguments that don't help them understand their differences or their sensitivities or move toward a better accommodation. Right. And so, so that's a central uh, key in the book is we, we kind of take them through chapter by chapter uh, what, uh, what is a deep understanding of their, of their problem. And then with this deep understanding, then we uh, offer them some alternatives, uh, particularly about how they can change the pattern of communication. Uh, couples often cannot change their, their natural differences. If one has been extroverted all their life or the other introverted all their life, they're not going to change those uh, quickly or suddenly or dramatically. Right. Likewise, if, if, if they have their sensitivities, if one partner is, is very sensitive to criticism or the other partner is very sensitive to being alone or, or feeling abandoned, we're not going to change those uh, very, very quickly or easily. And those are the, the features that, that we're going to try to move the couple toward a greater emotional acceptance of. But what they can change is the way they communicate about it. So they, they at the very least, don't make the problem worse through their communication. And in most cases, they can make the problem uh, more workable and more manageable through their communication. So that's the part that we try to change. Right. People can learn to be respectful in the way that they speak to each other. You know, when I'm in mediation and I have people who are very angry at each other, you know, they're going through a divorce, maybe there was a, a, a new significant other in there, or there's been some, you know, money problems or whatever it is, they're so angry by this time. But um, they have to learn how to be and speak to each other in a respectful way. But I know, Brian, um, you talk a lot in the book, the two of you, on acceptance. And in fact, uh, Andy just was talking about acceptance. So let's talk about acceptance and what you mean and, um, and, and how that all works to make things a little bit different and better. Mm-hmm. Well, acceptance is, is uh, kind of one of the central tenets of integrative behavioral couple therapy, the approach that, that Andy was talking about at, at the beginning of the, uh, the interview. Uh, and, and the idea of acceptance uh, came from a number of different places, but I think one of the central places it came from was um, the fact that, you know, couples who are unhappy with, their, with each other, their, their central tendency or their first inclination is to, to try to get the partner to change. Um, essentially, it's, you know, well, you're hurting me, so stop hurting me. And the way that you can stop hurting me is by changing your behavior. And what Andy and, and his colleagues kind of saw um, kind of in that uh, 
approach or in those couples seeking therapy is that that's not really going to work. Essentially, it's, it's asking the, the partner to change and, and those things don't go so well. So um, what people have under their control is um, acceptance. Um, and that's something that's, that's an internal change. It's something that you have the power to, to change as opposed to, you know, asking your partner to change your behavior. So in some way, you know, it's, it's definitely not resignation. Um, it's not giving up. It's, it's actually empowering um, in the way that we think about acceptance. Um, so acceptance, to give you a, you know, a definition, would be essentially kind of a, a change in the way that you're thinking about something or feeling about something. So the deep understanding that, that Andy was just talking about, our hope would be that if uh, people go through the book and they develop a deep understanding, they're no longer going to be so blaming of their partner. They're no longer going to be so critical of their partner. They still might not like what their partner is doing, but they're not going to be viewing it through the same kind of critical blaming lens. Um, so that's, that's one part of acceptance, what, what in, in integrative behavioral couple therapy we call uh, unified detachment. That's kind of a jargony word. Um, but the, the other part of acceptance is what integrative behavioral couple therapy calls uh, empathic joining. And that's just simply recognizing that um, your partner's in pain too, um, that it's not just you who's suffering uh, when you're in a distressed relationship. Usually both partners are suffering. And that's, that's easy to lose track of when your partner is causing you, you so much pain that, you know what, I'm probably causing my partner pain as well, and, and we're both probably unaware of the amount of pain we're causing each other. Um, so the extent that we can open up and share with each other kind of that pain and, and probably even more importantly share with each other the vulnerabilities that we're feeling. And Andy was talking about kind of the, the emotional sensitivities. Uh, to, the ex to the extent that couples can open up and talk about those things with each other, um, that's really going to bring couples closer together and, and help them regain, you know, not, not just reduce the problems that they're experiencing, but really help them regain that emotional intimacy. Because um, we really, really need to do both. We need to decrease the negatives in the relationship, but also increase the positives. Right, right. And when you're talking about that uh, empathic uh, joining, uh, that is so critical. Even for me, like when I have people going through a divorce, if they're very angry, if, if they each get to tell their story about their pain, and then we recognize, gee, like you were saying, Brian, you know, you were, I didn't realize you were in such pain, and you didn't realize I was in such pain. And then we both really have that commonality, that we both have been in pain. And, right. um, and, you know, over the years, well, in 28 years of me doing this, I've had about 20 couples get back together because they started to see it. But that isn't very much considering all the couples that I helped divorce. But I can see it myself. Just having that empathy for each other allows them to give up a lot of the anger. And, you know, what we call right. forgiveness. They, they give it up already. And they're at that acceptance. And, and we always say it is what it is, right? It is right. what it is. And, and I, I think about my parents who were married almost 50 years when my mother died. And I remember when as a kid, you know, they used to fight a lot. They worked together 24 hours a day. They had a business together and then they come home together and then they raise kids together. And But I noticed as they got older, they mellowed so much. I guess they got to the stage of acceptance, huh? <laughs> Must have been that. Right. right. Yeah. Are there some differences that can't or shouldn't be reconciled? Uh, Andy? Um, well, certainly, you know, we wouldn't want uh, people to accept certain things. We don't want them to accept abuse or or violence or, 
or anything like that. Um, people have to individually decide ultimately what is acceptable. You know, for some people, for example, a religious difference might be so uh, significant that it's ultimately not acceptable, and for other couples that would not be, a, you know, a major factor at all. Um, let me add a little bit on, on an interesting feature about couples that makes certain differences um, more easy to accept. And that is if we can help partners, and we try to do this in the book, help partners see that sometimes the differences that cause them trouble are also the differences that brought them together. And let me go back to my example of the uh, extrovert and the introvert. Maybe they were somewhat attracted to each other in part because of that difference. So the, the, um, the, the introvert uh, liked being with the extrovert because uh, that took the pressure off uh, him or her in any kind of a social situation. And perhaps the extrovert liked bringing the introvert into the social swim of things or like the fact that the introvert was uh, was a you know a much better listener than a talker, and so could uh, would be a good listener. Anyway, one can imagine that those differences attracted the partner, and yet one can easily imagine that those differences create problems for them later on. And so sometimes we can we can help couples uh, move toward acceptance of some of their differences uh, when they see that. Uh, that those differences that they're troubled by are very complex, that they, they have some positive features for them and some even attractive features for them, and sometimes they have some kind of downsides as well. Yeah. Brian, so, you know, when people come to me, they're ready for a divorce. I mean, are, do you guys see that there are times that, that there should not be a reconciliation, that it is time to let go, it's time to really move on, that the couple's learned all they could from each other, and it's time to let go? I mean, is that something that you guys think, or what, Brian? Yeah, and that, that is an issue that, that kind of we and the, and the broader field struggle with, kind of this idea of, of what's a good divorce, and, and is there such a thing as a good divorce? And, and I think uh, people will differ in their answer. Uh, Andy and I may even differ in our answer a little bit. Um, my perspective is, is I think, that um, there is something probably as a good divorce, um, with me. Uh, they, <laughs> I'm sorry, for whom? I said with me when I helped them through it. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, so, so I, I mean, I would think about a good divorce as, in general, kind of one where both partners are happier, um, less depressed, less anxious uh, apart than they were together. Right. Um, and, you know, I think those types of decisions, thinking about kind of the individual mental or psychological health of, of the two people, Separately, are, are, is especially easy when, when they don't have children. When, when children become involved, then, then obviously things become more complex and, and more right. complicated. Right. Um, but also kind of reflecting back on, on Andy's uh, answer to your previous question, um, some, some relationships, uh, even if there are children involved, uh, probably shouldn't continue. One, for example, one where there is a lot of physical aggression, especially physical aggression resulting in injury or fear. Right. Um, you know, it might be better for, for everybody involved, including the children, to, um, to get out of that situation. So right. it's, it's a complicated issue. I don't, I don't think um, that we want to take the perspective that every relationship should be saved. Um, but there are, there are people in the field who would, who would disagree about that. Right, right. Yeah. 
and and hopefully that even if they do dissolve the marriage, they're going to read your book and realize that they may have another relationship coming and they want to be able to uh, deal with it in a very positive way. We only have about one minute left, Andy, and I wish we had more time for this, but can you just tell us a little bit about some evidence um, for the strategies that you have? Just maybe one or two sentences. Sure. Uh, It's based on a clinical trial uh, that I mentioned a little bit earlier, a major clinical trial with five-year follow-up that was done uh, in Los Angeles and Seattle, and the evidence was um, uh, very uh, positive about uh, integrative behavioral couple therapy, uh, the approach in which this book is based. Well, I love this book, and I'm going to finish reading it, and I'll just, I'm just thrilled with it. You guys have done a wonderful job, and I I so support what you're doing because I, even though I do divorce, uh, I really appreciate when people can get back together. It always makes me feel better. So I am so glad that you've done this. Thank you both so much for all the great work you're doing, and we'll have you back again. You want to just give your website real quick, uh, Brian? Uh, sure. So for people who are interested in finding out about the work that Andy and I are doing or uh, the website that we've mentioned a couple of times, that address is www.ourourrelationship.com. So, ourrelationship.com. Thank you so much. And the book is called Reconcilable Differences, Rebuild Your Relationship by Rediscovering the Partner You Love Without Losing Yourself. So, thanks so much, and we'll have you guys back again. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minervine and KUCI.org. And then I'm Mari Frank. Join us every week on Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Thanks. It's about trust. Yeah, yeah. It's about faith. It's about trust. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.